So it occurs to me that if you're going to be brave enough to have a podcast about parenting and mothering, that maybe there should be some groundwork that's set and a framework by which to understand how I, myself, was introduced into mothering. And I will tell you, I love my son and I adore our story, but it started off rocky. And my first few days and months of being a mother, a first-time mother, well, guys, it was a little bit rough. And I want to be honest with you about it simply for the fact that I think, or at least I hope, that many of you will find yourself in the story just the same. Because so very often we get this idea, and I mean, I was 21, 22, so we had every bit of immaturity on my side here. But I bet you there's a lot of us who have a story that doesn't go quite the way we thought it was going to go. And this big, magical, loving, unbelievable experience that we had romanticized was everything but that. So I want to share with you just a little bit of background and framework. So here is my story of how I was initiated into being a first-time mom. Welcome to the Uplift Effect Podcast. Yes, our logo is a V formation. Yes, that was taken on my farm right over my home. And of course, there's a story there, and it's made all the difference in the world, and I cannot wait to tell you about it. But first, my name is Jill. I am the creator of The Uplift Effect. I am a professional therapist and coach who has specialized in childhood grief and trauma, and I transform moms and children from chaos to calm. If you're a parent who feels out of control, who has no real solid parenting plan, and are desperate to turn your own chaos into calm, well, this is your place, and I am glad that you are here. I was once in your shoes, feeling like I was failing at everything, and most importantly, I was failing my kids. As a stay-at-home mom of four children, to say that we were in chaos was putting it lightly. My story didn't change overnight, and in bits and pieces, I'll share it with you. But I used the same techniques that birds intuitively use when they are migrating in their fee formation by way of community and a plan that's dependent on this little thing called, well, you guessed it, an uplift effect. They endure what would otherwise not be possible, and that's migrating for thousands and thousands of miles. I believe and I know that we can transform ourselves and our children. So when we wake up in the mornings, like I do now, I am incredibly thankful to call what I have now with my four children home. And so can you. So this podcast is for you, to encourage you, to teach you, to address some of the biggest, most difficult parenting challenges that we face as mothers. And I am so glad you are here as we journey and migrate through these miles together. Welcome to the Uplift Effect Podcast. So do you remember those girls in high school? You know, the ones that you would maybe be interacting with and talking 
your senior year of high school with about college plans, and they didn't really have any college plans. Their plans were to immediately get married and have babies. Like, they were really excited about being a mom. Um, yeah, I wasn't one of those kids. Now, I did have a long-term boyfriend. I was one of those. And I do remember thinking being married was probably a good idea. Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness I did not do that then. Um, but mothering, like being a mom... That just did not come into my thinking as being something that I thought would be rewarding and and fulfilling in my life. Just to give you a little bit of background, I guess, I had Cabbage Patch Kids. Remember those? Those cute little round-faced, weird-looking Cabbage Patch Kids? Well, I had several Cabbage Patch Kids. I had a variety of them for reasons that we won't discuss here, but... I would dress the Cabbage Patch Kids, change their clothes, and I would lay them back down in their bed. That was the extent of what I knew what to do with dolls and babies. And I think my mother would probably vouch for me in this. I didn't do Barbies either. Like, I didn't know how to play house and to do that kind of thing. And I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you that even after I had all my kids, and my children were making comments about, like, let's play house. I'm like, play house? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know how to play house. And I couldn't, I I just didn't know how to do that. And I was a mother at that time, and I'm just totally foreign concept to me. So probably my family all saw this coming, but um, let's just say that I didn't have that intuitive idea that being a mom was just going to be my life's calling. I really enjoyed babysitting little kids that I could interact with and talk with and play with, but that was about it. Well, 22 years ago, I found myself unexpectedly um, getting ready to be a mother for the very first time. And so I... um, had other mothers that were trying to be very sweet and very supportive to me and encouraging and and they had kind of given me some idea about what to expect this would be like and just really trying to be supportive. And so I can remember the day that my son was born and, you know, moments after he was born, um, you know, I had heard these women say like, this is going to be the most magical day and it's just going to like this, your heart is just going to explode and this, this mothering love is just going to come out of nowhere and it'll be something you've never felt before. And it's almost going to be like the angels in heaven sing and it's going to be so amazing. And so I was kind of thinking it was going to be like that. And instead, I was totally traumatized because this was back in the days that they did enemas. Yes, they did enemas before we delivered babies. And that was an awful experience, trying to labor at the same time. The other thing is, is so my son is born and, and he's covered in goop and kind of looks a little bit like an alien. And I got my legs in these candy cane stirrups, not comfortable. And I'm getting stitches in places there should never be stitches. And I am thinking, so when does the skies part and my heart is bursting open and and all of this? Like, this is scary. And I am hurting and I'm uncomfortable. And so not too long after that, he starts to cry. And I'm like, whoa, he's speaking a language that I don't speak. Like, I don't know what that means. 
And I look at the nurse and she says, I, I think you probably need to feed them. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I've heard about that. I, I'm aware that babies need to be fed. It's not nothing I did with my pet Cabbage Patch kids, but I got that. So these women had prepared me for that too. And they said, you know, it's going to be very natural. It's going to be the best thing for your baby. It adds to the bonding. And it's just, it's just really, really a special moment. And so I I was excited. I was like, okay, I'm going to make that work. So I kind of get in position. They bring him to me. And I feel like a pretzel. I mean, this is not at all comfortable. I, for sure, this is not natural. And the lady kept, the nurse kept saying something about latching. And for me, latching was something that I thought was going to kind of be like magnetic. Like negative and positive forces would join together and... <laughs> It would just happen, and that was not exactly what was happening at all. We had much more like a positive and a positive, and this was not working out. Um, he was crying and fussy, and the more he cried, the more I felt like that I was doing a terrible job, and without giving you all the details, you know, the parameters that they give you about how this latching is supposed to happen, well... My anatomy doesn't look like that. And so that wasn't working out for me. And I, I didn't really know. I felt like that she was suffocating him and possibly me. And um, yeah, so that didn't quite also work out to be this real natural um, thing that was going to be very bonding. Matter of fact, I think it added definitely a wall instead of a bridge between the two of us. And so... Um, eventually my parents go home for the evening and I, I try, she even mentioned something about a football hold and I'm like, Oh, I'm familiar with the football. Let me try that. And we're still not getting anywhere. And so, um, one of the things I remember thinking is, is like, this isn't going like all these women told me, like, I don't have this feeling of overwhelming love and I don't have all of this mothering thing that just kind of naturally is supposed to be coming over me. What I do have is a chest that hurts on both sides. I've got blood blisters. I've got stitches in places. Nobody should ever have stitches. I'm swelling in places that are kind of weird and I don't feel all that great. So I continue to try to feed him through the night Nothing was really overly successful. I send them to the nursery for a little bit. I get about an hour and a half's worth of sleep, wee hours of the morning. Um, but I wake up in a panic and call the nurse's butt and get the nurse in there and tell her I am choking. And she comes running in there and I am like, I have got rocks coming up my chest, past my clavicle, up into my neck. They're also in both of my armpits and moving around to my back. And something is really, really wrong and I can't breathe. And she laughs at me and she's like, oh, honey, that's just milk. I'm like, milk? No, that's not milk. Milk is a fluid and these are hard rocks and I can't breathe. I'm choking. And she's like, no, honey, this is engorgement. This is milk that's engorged and you need to be feeding your baby. I'm like, feed my baby. I've been trying to feed my baby all night long and it's not working. And um, that was the most frustrating, weirdest experience of my life. And you know what happened? Well, First of all, let me say, 
I bet you when she went back to that nurse's station, they got quite the entertainment out of that because here I call her because I'm choking over rocks in my throat and she's going to go share with the nurses at the nurse's station about this mother in room seven. <laughs> and they probably all were very worried about me. But nevertheless, in a few hours, they show up with discharge papers. And I am supposed to sign these papers that is releasing me to take this baby home and I am in charge of keeping him alive. And I was scared to death. So my parents thankfully come back up there and I, I sign the papers and we get him loaded all up in, in this car seat and I'm still choking on rocks in my throat that she thinks is milk and we're, this is all kinds of confusing to me. We get into the car. My parents take me to their house because that's where I will be staying. And I, I get him out of the um, little holder, and I'm, I'm in the car carrier, and I bring him in the house in the car carrier, and I set him down, and I look at my dad, and I'm like, so, like, what do you do with him now? And my dad, bless his heart, he, my parents are wonderful parents, but it had been some time since they also had been around uh, newborn babies. My dad's like, well, I'm not really sure, but what I do know is that you don't wake a sleeping baby. So we left him all clicked in his car seat and moved him from the floor over to his bedroom in his crib and left him there. And let me just tell you, ladies, I was in for a rude awakening. You know what? This wasn't a Cabbage Patch Kid, and I was responsible for keeping this thing, this baby, this human being who has my last name, I'm responsible to keep him alive. But it was excruciatingly difficult, and my biggest problem was still the fact that we didn't speak the same language. I don't speak crying. I, I just, I remember one day even hollering at him, could you try another form of communication? <laughs> you know, like, I don't understand crying. You can cry louder, and you can even hold your breath and turn red and cry, and I still have no idea what that means. I've gone down my list of five things, and it's not working. Unbeknownst to me, I thought that was like the most difficult thing ever. But then this thing, this really funny thing happens, like they get older and then they're two and they're three and they're four and they're five. And like, where did the seminar happen? Like we still aren't told how to raise our kids. And some children have really strong personalities and some have very specific needs. And there was all these things like... Eventually, I got better as I then had more kids with some of this. But here's the first thing. The bonding that they all talked about, that took me months and months and months to almost a year. It was quite the task. And now I am absolutely in love with my kid. And I adore him. And I have the most precious relationships with my children. But it took me some time. There was not this magical moment probably ever I think maybe by the time I had my fourth baby, I at least said, give her here, I know what to do with her, because I knew how to feed her. But it took me time. But you know what? Parenting is the exact same way. We don't really know what to do with a two-year-old tamper tantrum, except oftentimes we revert back to how the home we grew up in, how we saw it modeled for us or what was done with us when we were at that age. And that's what we do or some version of that. 
unless we are really type A and we studied and we've read a bunch of books and, and, and all kinds of stuff like this isn't necessarily intuitive. Actually, a lot of it is very counterintuitive when it comes to raising children and working with their personalities and their defiance and their sense of autonomy and wanting to do things on their own when we're in a hurry and we just need to do it for them. We don't know how to actually outsmart them. So that's kind of how this whole thing with the uplift effect came into existence because I realized that we had Well, let me say back up and say it this way. I realized that when I had very young toddlers, I was desperate for mentoring. I so much wanted the older women who had gone before me. I wanted to talk to them and ask them questions. And sometimes I just needed some reassurance that this was survivable because they clearly had survived. And I just needed to know that this actually, like we could recover from these things. And it's a little hard now to kind of suck up the fact that I am kind of nearing that age that I'm now one of those older women. And and I'll just straight up tell you, I'm 45. I'm not really all that old. But I don't have newborn babies, and I don't have toddlers. I don't have elementary school children. And I only have a very few short months, and I won't have any middle schoolers either. And I know what I needed and I wanted when my children were very, very young, and I want so desperately to give what I never got. And I want to encourage you and support you and give you some ideas and some thoughts so that you, as you navigate your own way, can come up with what works best for you and your family, because there isn't one right answer. But I do also know this, from all the grief and trauma work that I've done and working with families is that we mothers, we often have so much going on in our own emotional baggage that we carry that over into our parenting. And unfortunately, that is actually a big, big portion of what happens and gets things turned in in the negative direction. And we've got to get that turned around so we can get things moved in the positive direction. And I love helping moms discover that, work through that, um, the, the mental component of how to think of this all differently, maybe some healing of childhood experiences so that you can rework this and re-navigate um, how you parent I love that process. It is so rewarding. And you know what? At the end of the day, what I want more than anything is I want you to be able to look back at this time and say, I am so proud of what I did with my kids. And you know what? There's some things I've done with my kids that I'm not proud of. There are some things I am... did with my kids that I am proud of. I The thing that I regret the most is I didn't actually take steps sooner. I wish I still regret that because there were some really, really tough times, but I wish I had done something sooner. And I want for you to not have that regret, but I am so thankful now that I did get things turned around because I have a wonderful, beautiful story with my relationship with all four of my kids. And it is the thing that I value and I cherish the most. 
and I want that for you too. So there you have it. That was my initiation into mothering, into motherhood. And while it was rocky for for quite some time, I eventually got things settled down and situated and, and kind of found my groove. Well, of course, until then I had all four kids and then we had a whole new dynamic to figure out. But for those of you guys who have a story similar to mine, I hope you could laugh along the way and to feel like that you're in good company and to recognize that we all experience this different and none of it is right or wrong. It's just different. So thank you for listening along. I will talk to you next week. If you want to find me on social media, I'm on both Facebook and Instagram on um those sites and it's just under my name Jill Falling and very soon I have a website that is launching and I am excited to share that with you also. So have a great week. We will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. <music>